and welcome to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a sports ethos production, where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm your host, Candace Higgins. And I'm Tino Ganasius, uh, host of the Mariners cast and guest right. on the, uh, the Seahawks cast. Absolutely. And we are so excited. It's a privilege and a pleasure to talk Hawks with you. Maybe not today as much, um, because if you watched week one, it was quite the, well, it was quite the Debbie Downer. It wasn't really nearly as fun and as excited as everybody thought it would be. Everybody was just, everybody pretty much allotted this as a win. Everybody allotted it as a dominant win. And not only was it not a win, it was, we got dominated. Yeah, debacle. Yes, exactly. It was mm-hmm. a debacle. So I'll I'll start with you, Tina. What were your thoughts, impressions, man? How yeah, how you where, feeling? Where do we start? So I've seen different numbers, but two net yards in the second half. Yes. For the, for the uh Mariners, for the Seahawks offense. Yes. Is that's the first place I would start. The second place I would go is the the Past defense is was a negative all around, right? Mm-hmm. And you know all the things we talked about that we were slightly concerned about coming into this game, the second and third cornerback spots, the ability of the middle linebackers in coverage, uh, the pass rush. I know there were some decent num- uh, pass rush numbers, but it's defense needs work. I think the questions. My I come away thinking we can start asking some real questions as to whether this, this defensive philosophy that Pete Carroll has held onto actually works in today's NFL. I think yeah. that's a legitimate question to ask. I think there were some huge uh, red flags for me coming from this game. And that's not even beginning with the offense. I, I my takeaway with Gino is that he, there was no, he wasn't dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. There was nothing special about Gino's performance. And I get that both tackles were out, yeah, but there was nothing that where I walk away saying, you know what, our, I love our quarterback. I believe in our quarterback. I know the numbers are there from last year, but he didn't show me anything. Yeah, and then you know the other takeaway is, and I know we differ on this. I want him to run the ball. I Kenneth Walker averaged five point three yards a carry. He only got twelve carries, and yeah. this is this was even with the tackles out for uh, you know for a certain amount of time and. Mm-hmm. With the running game going, then I think that opens up the passing game. The biggest, I guess, the biggest thing that I walked away with from this game is if I asked you what is the identity of the Seattle Seahawks on offense and what's their identity on defense, could could you genuinely define that for me, right? Like you you talk about winning teams, you can say this is what they do well. Mm -hmm. Successful businesses – you know, you go to a barbecue spot, you know that their pulled pork sandwich is what they do, right? That's what they do. They do it best. I love that about them. They have an identity. Same thing for me with sports. Teams have to have an identity. I don't know if they're a passing team because they have three great receivers. I don't know if they're a running team because that's been their DNA, at least historically. I don't know if this defense is a, a you know, too deep safety, keep everything in front of you type of defense. Or if they want to capitalize on all the the capital they've invested on in edge rushers, I don't know. Yeah, you can't walk away from game one not knowing who you are, right? Well, I'll say this: generally, for the most part, I agree with everything you said. For the mm-hmm. most part, the only thing I differ is that I say, really, 
the first few weeks, you're really trying to build your identity because you have an identity on paper, right? In that mm-hmm. first few weeks, you really, I'd say after week four or five, you should be able to know what you do well. It generally, it generally does take right a, a while unless sure. the team has a lot of continuity and a lot of veterans and that kind of thing. That's sometimes like where the 49ers, where you'd see like an obvious identity there. But outside mm-hmm. of that, for the most part, I'll give a little leeway on the identity thing, at least in week one. But it is something to watch for because in, in theory, I 100% agree with you and we'll see on paper it was supposed to be the wide receivers, but those guys didn't show up. But I want to go back to a point that you made that was very interesting that I really I agree with you on. I've been sort of a not a Pete apologist, if you will, but I've been sort of understanding of Pete and understanding his value that he brings beyond what other people do. When things got rough, I wasn't team fire fire Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. but I am beginning to question, like you said, the philosophy, because Pete's shown a willingness to adjust but it only seems like it's to a certain extent and i feel like the extents to which he's not willing to adjust have been consistent issues over the years the the issues that we're seeing the reason why i'm not going to call this trap game is one it's week one and the reason i'm not going to call it a trap game is because the issues that plagued that defense have been issues in varying degrees at various points over the past i'll say five years now mm-hmm. was the run defense as big of an issue no but that was a problem with the 2020 defense if you go back and you think about how historically bad that defense was it was because people were throwing four 500 yards on you and mm-hmm. the run defense was like top five but who cared because everybody passed the ball on you and it seemed like that's really more, more what it was as of yesterday just they did some running of the ball i will say they attempted to run the ball a fair amount actually mm-hmm. if you go back and look at the box score but they what was successful for them was passing all mm-hmm. the time to the point that they could have if they wanted to completely abandon the run it really kind of did the seahawks a favor that they didn't because that was the one thing they seemed to do well so we just keep seeming to go from one extreme to the next and to me that has a lot to do with like i said pete's in, he's willing to, to adjust right so he's taking on this vic vic fangio type of defense concepts right the principles three four whatever but you saw a ton of four-man fronts out there yesterday Mm -hmm. and you saw a lot of um what i call p carroll coverage right soft zones um last year they did a lot of they did split uh field coverage where half the field was man half the field was zone. they did a lot of i'm not gonna say they they did a ton of blitzing, but they increased the blitzing more, which is important. If you're going to switch over to the big Fangio, you got to do more man principles things. You got to do more. You got to be more aggressive in terms of blitzing. You got all these man coverage corners in the offseason and then you run zone. What? Well, and you have, and you also have, you know, I, I said this on the last uh, the last Seahawks 360 that, that you have Reek Woolen. Yeah. Take advantage of him. Say, you yes. know what? I want you to lock up this guy over here. We're rolling all of the coverage. You have no help. Yep. You have no help, right? Yep. You stick to your man. You have no help. We're rolling all of our coverage to the opposite side. You can do that split man zone stuff if you really yep. want to. If, you know, because you have this asset, it's like you have an asset that you're not actually um, utilizing. You're not yep. using. And I would also say that from a, a personnel standpoint, you might be, we might be running a three, four, but if you have Nwosu and um, Mafe, you don't want them in coverage. So really what you're running is a is a you have five um, linemen in a lot of ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're not really dropping. At which point you've got Wagner and, and um, Brooks 
in coverage, essentially. Yep, because you're not dropping your outside linebackers. Exactly. Right. And, we, and we haven't even started on on the Lions in the preview because, you know, with the Lions, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown. Is, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs are their two best offensive players. Mm-hmm. Gibbs is a running back who catches balls out of, out of the backfield. And Amon Ross St. Brown goes over the middle over and over again. Absolute technician in the middle of the field. It's the Seahawks defense two biggest weaknesses is coverage from the middle linebackers and being able to cover backs out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. But back to your point, I just, like I said last time, I didn't want them to go into these like two deep coverages and play soft and keep everything in front. And you, you correctly predicted that the Rams would just nickel and dime the Seahawks to death. And it's what they did. You had a, a a second string wide receiver. Now Puka Nakua was a, a four star recruit who was at UW and then ended up at at BYU. So mm-hmm. it, he is talented, but you're not talking. This isn't you know, this isn't DK Metcalf, right? Yeah. This Justin is Jefferson. Nakua. It's not any of those guys. No, and and it was clear that there's a scheme. He took the Cooper Cup spot, and there's a scheme to get that number one receiver on that team tons of targets. Yep. But he ate them up. There was no way you should be able to bring a rookie off the bench to have 10 receptions and 119 yards against your defense. It's no. inexcusable. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely inexcusable. It was the, in my opinion, I lay this loss at the head of coaching. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blame to go around. Sure, the players can execute better, but the players were put in by far, I believe, the poorest position they could have been, particularly mm-hmm. given the matchup. It's like they just rolled out a game plan and they didn't consider the opponent at all. Sean McVay knows how to eat your zones like like nobody else has ever known how to do. Better than Kyle Shanahan can eat up your zones. So why would you have a zone almost exclusive? I don't know if I saw it. I mean, I didn't see the four quarter. I don't know when I did hear they went to man some, Mm -hmm. but. So I'll say zone heavy. I was going to say zone exclusive. I'll sure. say zone heavy. Sure. Concepts. Why would that be your plan against Sean McVay, especially to start the game? Right. If it was like you implied and you started off a certain way, then when you get ahead, you know, they pull out that prevent defense, which is exactly. Yeah. They started out the prevent defense at the beginning. They prevented them from winning. I will stand right. by that. It, it right. kills them every time. But it, that was a terrible game plan. I don't well, see anything smart about it. You don't if so. And the other thing is, if you would expect expect the coaching staff to come in with plan A, B, C and D. Yes. Plan A is whatever you feel like is your strength. Okay, we're getting tore up by these two wide receivers. Matt Stafford clearly clearly is healthy. We're not able to get to him quick enough. What's your plan B? Okay, let's go to man. Right. Maybe we even play like a like a off coverage in man and we're not yes. being that aggressive, but something if that doesn't work. OK, we're going to get in your face and play bump and run now. We're going to yep. change it up. But you've got to have, you know, four five, six game plans. If one doesn't work, you can't just keep rolling out the same, you know what, over and over again. And that's kind of how it felt that there wasn't they just weren't prepared for what happened, which is crazy to me, because that's the one even us as you know, we're not paid to cover the team, but where, but you, even we knew that this is what was going to happen. This was the recipe for the Seahawks to lose. Right. And I I like your point too, about either like Pete Carroll, either being able to coach a team that shuts down the run or the pass, but it's not really ever both. Mm -hmm. The Rams had carried the ball 40 times. 
for 92 yards. That's 2.3 yards a carry, right? Cam Akers, everyone made a huge deal. 22 carries, 29 yards. Horrible average. Yep. And yet they lost. Badly. And I just, you know, we talked about Trey Brown. I, I feel like Trey Brown is a is a talented corner. Um, I like him. I think the fact that he ha- hasn't played that many NFL games really, really kind of came to the front in this game. Yeah. Because he got he got burnt. I I, I think yeah. they they smartly identified the need for Devon Weatherspoon in the draft. I know people were surprised when they took him at five overall, but it's clear that they need the Seahawks need a second corner. Yes. Really, really, really bad. Yeah. Really bad. I don't know. Yeah. I might even we talked about whether Witherspoon will play in the slot or not. If he's good on the outside, I would almost rather let, like to see him outside full time if he can really lock that up, even though we might not be totally capitalizing on on his talent just because it's such a need on the outside with that second quarter, at least as of right now. That's that's what I see. It's a tough call, though, because Kobe Bryant was worse than Trey mm-hmm. Brown. By far. No, seriously. Like they targeted him 10 times. He allowed seven receptions. He allowed, I think, the most yards or the second most yards. Um, It it was bad from Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant's perspective. And because of that, I almost feel like I kind of want him. I want him both, really. Like I want him I want him nickel on nickel downs and then I want him base. I almost feel better because people know to attack the middle. Right. If you go back and you look next gen stats put out um, Matt Stafford's, you know, sort of his throwing chart, his direction he threw. Almost mm-hmm. all of it was over the middle. And yep. so you got to, another reason why I feel like you got to lock down a nickel position is because I think it puts players like your linebackers, like Bobby Wagner, like Jordan Brooks in a worse position because if they're targeting the middle of the field mm-hmm. already, because your nickel back is, well, you can automatically count on being able to get a catch there. Then you're also going to try the linebackers there as much because you're already going in that area. If you force the outside a little bit more, I think it helps your case for Bobby and for Jordan where they don't get exposed nearly as much because that's sort of what the Rams did. They just had good players down, you know, in the middle. So people weren't trying to attack Bobby. It wasn't worth it. You were just, you know, better off trying to get to the outside and see if you can attack the weaknesses that way. I'd rather that because I think, I think Trey Brown has potential. Like you said, I think he just gets the reps or needs the reps and, um, you know, I still, I still can't figure out who's worse, him and Mike Jackson. They both did poorly <laughs> in this right. game. I think it depends on the matchup, too, because um, sometimes the ground size affects him. They say, you know, like a good manager or a good leader puts their people in a position to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. You may not have the most talent. You may not have the best workers, whatever, whatever the analogy you want to use, but you got to set them up to succeed. you got to know their skill set, right? And the reality is when you put Brooks and Wagner in coverage, that's not what they do best. No. And I think when you have both of them out there at the same time, it's not a good fit, in my opinion, at least as of right now. Because if they're both in coverage, all of a sudden you're going to see teams attack them over and over again. They are Bobby Wagner had 19 tackles. So clearly he can stuff the run. Yep. Clearly he yep. can make tackles. I think I think Jordan Brooks had, I think, 12, maybe something like that. Yeah, it's clear what their talent is, but you're not setting them up to succeed by putting them in coverage all the time. And they're short. Both of them are what six feet, and you got them backpedaling and trying to get deeper into coverage. Of course, they're going to complete passes over their head. That's when not I- you're setting them up to succeed. Fred Warner is what six four. That's part of why he's and he's more agile. That's part of why he's so great in coverage. So, to me, you're not 
you're, you are not taking your personnel and really setting them up to be great, right? right? You're putting right. them in positions to fail. Same thing we talked about with Jamal Adams in deep coverage. Mm-hmm. You're not taking advantage of his talent. So Wagner allowed six catches for 62 yards when he yep. was the nearest defender in coverage. Yep. That's not great, right? Matthew Stafford was eight of nine for 85 yards between the hash marks. To your point, they were attacking the middle over and over and over again. It was curls. It was dig routes. It was all the things that we had talked about. And no, this is three, four, five years. This was Bobby yes. when he was young. Right? Yes. I don't know. It, it's, it's frustrating. It's, and what's it interesting, is. you mentioned this early in terms of the game, the, the plan A, plan B. It seemed like their plan A and plan B wasn't schematic. It was personnel because they rotated almost every cornerback. Every cornerback got snaps. Right. So it's like, this guy isn't working, let's try someone else. This guy isn't working, let's try something else. Okay, have we considered that maybe it's not the players? If you roll out every single cornerback, except for Tariq Woolen, and they all suck, no yep. offense, they, they did, they all yep. suck, and Tariq Woolen didn't even look particularly great. He did okay, but he didn't look great himself. Mm-hmm. If all of your cornerbacks look bad, including your Pro Bowl cornerback, then perhaps you should make some schematic adjustments at some point. And it's just, it took right. too long from, from, in my opinion, for them to, or really for, for Pete to even acknowledge it in the, in the post-game press conference, he mentioned a quote, I, I tweeted this out, but essentially he was saying something along the lines of that he misjudged. Um, the, basically he thought they'd be able to do some of the things that they used to do and mm-hmm. they'd be able to come in and win this game. You didn't consider the possibility that if it didn't work, you didn't have a plan B. Like, I guess that's what bothers me the most about it. And some people, I felt like he was, if you go back and look at the coverage, it really was more 2021 Pete Carroll coverage, 2020 Pete Carroll coverage. And so some people felt like he wasn't talking about that part that they they thought he was just talking about, I don't know, the players or the, or just that, that game in and of itself. Now I took a bigger picture look at it because it looked mm-hmm. so identical to other things we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that the presence of Deshaun side was missing, particularly in that secondary when it comes to coaching. Absolutely. Um, but if, if I'm wrong about that and I, and I'm just maybe thinking too big picture, despite that, that, that quote is still, uh, swear I'm looking for it rings hollow, right? Yeah. It rings hollow. And exactly. there's, you know, there are teams where there are two different approaches that you see coaches take. One is we're going to impose our will on you. We are better than you. We have more talent than you do. You have to adjust to what we do, right? You're going to adjust to what we do. We, do, we don't adjust, right? Memphis Grizzlies, who you cover. Grizzlies are the Grizzlies. They're going to do what they do. Yep. And they're going to impose their will. They're younger, well, they they're, they're stronger, Grizzlies. all those things, right? Yep. If you have the talent, you can do it, right? If you have John, you have Triple J, you can do it. But the Hawks' defense in particular, the offense might get there. The defense doesn't have that kind of star power, right? And so if you don't, the way to win is you have to be multiple. You have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to kind of mix and match and figure out what's going to work and what's not because you don't have the uh, the talent and the physicality to impose your will on the other team. Now, if – the pass rush gets better, right? If Mafe starts to actually get to the quarterback instead of almost there, and if Nwosu can do what he did last year, and Draymond Jones can start to put pressure, now you're imposing your will, right? Pass rush imposes their will on the other team. Then you can stick to whatever concepts you you believe in, 
and not have to adjust because you are the better team. But the Hawks don't have that. Yeah. And when you don't have that, you have to immediately be able to identify and say, you know what? Let's go do something different. We, we want to win this game. Let's go do something different. We were told that was the reason they changed schemes to begin with. For sure. Right. So to be more multiple. Mm-hmm. Where and is it? I don't know. I, I would guess that behind the scenes, that second cornerback position and Witherspoon is pivotal. And I would guess that they believe that their concept will work when, with both corners playing lockdown coverage, right? It doesn't address the the safety position. It doesn't, the, the safety covering, the, the shorter over the middle stuff. It doesn't address uh, Wagner and Brooks, but it is a start, right? If you can lock down both edges or both uh, wide, outside wide receivers, and you can get pressure put, putting five in the in the pass rush with both edges and the three guy down linemen, then you've got something as long as you can cover the middle. But when you got that weakness on that second corner, they it was they could pick anything. They were at a dang buffet, right? They picked anything they wanted because except for going at Reek because everybody was open. We haven't even talked about the offense yet. Yeah, no, no, we're just, we'll get there. We will get historically there. bad performance in the second half. We haven't even got there yet. That's wild. Well, because because a lot of people understand that a lot of what happened with the offense was literally them not being able to be on the field in the second half. Yeah. Like the defense was on the field so long that their opportunities were historically limited, just as yeah. was their production. Like, I mean, the defense played 81 snaps. That's insane. That's insane. So I think it, the, it, the offense ran what 14 plays total, I think, in the second yeah, half. In the second half, it was it was it wasn't a lot. So I think that's why they're getting a little bit of a break here is because the defense was overwhelmingly the problem. They just couldn't get off the field. Mm-hmm. But um I want to go back to a point that you were saying um with the corners, right? Mm-hmm. My biggest concern, with a spoon or not, I I fear to look at with a spoon as a savior because if they if they plop with a spoon. And that same game plan, guess what? Where the spoon doesn't look good either. Right. Because what was he known for coming out of college? He was the best man corner in the draft. Mm-hmm. And zone is his area of weakness. Mm-hmm. So unless they plan on adjusting the game plan, I don't know how much Witherspoon's going to help, but he will help to some degree because he's just got good instincts. I, gi- I give him that. He's got better instincts than any of the other corners. But how much... I mean, he's still going to get eaten up. He's still going to get burned if you plop him in that same approach. I I would guess that I would hope that their plan was to play, that they would have run a different game plan defensively if he was in the game, right? I think if he was in the game, maybe they could take more chances trying to get pressure on Stafford because they had more confidence. Maybe they would play more man because, because of his presence. That's my hope. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know that I trust the defensive coaching staff you know, to see much at this point in time. I hate to say that because, you know, I want to believe in him, but the reality you pointed out, Sean Desai being gone, like it was very clear the impact uh, of his absence. Right. And there's a reason why he was coveted by so many, so many organizations in the off season. I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm concerned schematically. I'm concerned about the coverage over the middle. I'm concerned that Draymond Jones didn't show much. Yes. Right. And you spent big money on him. You don't ordinarily spend big money on defensive free agents. And I'm obviously concerned about that second, that second and third corner and the strong safety. Julian Love didn't show out, you know, so what is it? How are we any different than we have in the last couple of years defensively? That's a a great point. Now I will say they did. 
statistically, surprisingly, Darren Reed, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor all popped up on top 10 in pass, pass, pass uh, rate, pass win, win rate. Sorry. Pass rush win rate. Uh, oh, why is that such a tongue, tongue tie for me? <laughs> anyway. All right. So they did well for, I mean, now it didn't show up in terms of impact in the game, but that's, I think that's a lot to do with how poor the coverage was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be as fast as all get out. You still got to get over off def- uh, offensive lineman. By the time you do, if everybody's wide open, then what's the point? You're rushing right. the pass. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Ball's already out. So um, Draymond Jones not showing up is, is a concern. But I also, I'm wondering about um, the preparation a little bit. And this is probably my last point with coaching. But it's well known that Pete Carroll does not do joint practices. And he might be one of the few teams left. I, I don't really know too many other teams that don't do joint practices at any point during the preseason. There there are some, and Pete's not alone. I just can't recall those who don't off the top of my head. But it's, it's a pretty common practice all over the league. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like it's preventing the Seahawks from doing a couple of things. I know everybody always has a fight in the in the joint practices. I know that's the yeah. downside, right? Okay, right. but is it worth it a little bit to be able to properly evaluate your talent? Because one, you don't know if you need to reinvest in other positions because perhaps when it comes to your trenches, Draymond Jones looked like a beast. But maybe mm-hmm. against our offensive line, it didn't really mean very much. And you wouldn't know that until week one. Whereas if you had a joint practice earlier in the preseason, you, you would be able to make personnel decisions that would let you know where your team truly is against mm-hmm. other competition. Um, I worry about that. I also worry about the fact that, I mean, we, I understand why Draymond Jones didn't play well. He didn't, he didn't play the snap since he was with the Broncos. I mean, they do light practices with the Seahawks. They That's pretty common. They do a lot of walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. They don't do it. They don't tackle. Pete mm-hmm. Carroll makes that known. That's why it's always an issue in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I get why the guys in the trenches don't look that good. All the more reason why if you're not going to play them in the preseason, you got to have those joint practices on because your guys got to be ready to go week one. You, you can't afford a three, four week wind up for your star players. I get why you don't want to play them in preseason. Do the joint practice. That's why these teams do it. You don't want to play them for no reason. Those joint practices are valuable and you can run whatever you want, right? People won't see it on TV. So there's no worrying about people stealing certain concepts. Mm-hmm. None of that. Um, I really think that's another, and that's another one of my questions with Pete. Is he properly preparing the players? Not These other teams, I mean, the NFL was pretty sloppy in terms of turnovers, but I felt like with tackling wasn't as much of an issue. Um, and I feel like the Seahawks, well, their defensive lineman at least, really struggled with the ability to tackle, um, well, safeties too, struggled right. with the ability to tackle because these guys just don't get reps. Right. I think your your point is well taken that, you know, even say 10 years ago, you had the quarterback in a red jersey and everyone else just kind of played football, right? And yes. you got your reps in. Same thing in, in baseball, same thing in really every sport nowadays. Yep. They're so concerned with injury mm-hmm. that an investment that you have this like long ramp up time at the beginning of the regular season. And I think the teams that can ramp up quicker, yep. you can get some easy wins really quickly yep. because you're in better shape and more ready to go. I also think it speaks to the lack of depth on the defensive line. That yeah. if there was more experienced depth on the defensive line, you would not be so concerned yeah. about Draymond Jones getting injured, right? Because you had someone to replace sure. him. Reality is you got rookies essentially behind him 
that would take his spot uh, if he was to get hurt. So on the one hand, I understand protecting the investment, yeah. but I think you're right. Like if you don't get, if you don't hit and you don't get those reps, you're coming in. Yes. You're, you're a veteran. Yes. You know what it's like, but your body still has to adjust. Right. Um, I, that I expected to see more from him from the pass rush. I expected to see more from him. Um, you know, I expect him to be more of a leader of that defense. I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of that either. I think Jaron Reed is the leader of that defensive line. He yes. played well. Now he, I was from just a, you know, my elementary eye, I was really impressed with his ability to, to hold down the nose and to actually, and to get penetration. I, I was excited to see that. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think there are questions about coaching and preparation that very much need to be asked. Mm-hmm. And offensively as well. I think there are questions that need to be asked about game plan offensively and and whether they were ready to go. I'll say this. I don't mind the game plan offensively. Um, I don't think it was offensively. I don't think was the issue as much. I do think it was some sloppy execution that Mm -hmm. on the offensive side, I actually feel like it was the opposite, right? On the, on the, on the offense, I felt like it was player execution and not as much, of the game plan. I, th- I thought I saw different formations. I saw pre-snap movement, sure. maybe maybe a little bit too heavy on the screens. We still, we're still not good at that, <laughs> especially at the beginning of the year. Probably a little too heavy on that. Other than that, they were getting down the field. Now they weren't able to finish those drives and had they been able to finish those drives, I think would have made a huge difference in the game. Sure. Um, Cause they scored on it. I mean, when you score at every open out, was it the first four drives? I think at least the first four drives they scored. At least, you know, field goal. Three, I think it was three, yeah. But yeah, they had 13 points. So oh, I think the fourth one was in midfield goal. Okay. Fourth one was in midfield goal. Okay. So they put mm-hmm. themselves in a position to score, but they right. uh, didn't get the points. Right. I don't blame that on, Sh- on Shane Waldron. Um, I also don't blame the fact that he didn't really get the chance to do anything in the second half. I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to sit on the bench for like 15 minutes and then just come off and just be great. I'll give mm-hmm. him a little slack with that. Um, I was concerned about Tyler Lockett, who did not do well um I just I just feel like you should have got a little bit more from your top end talent you kind of expect your rookies to struggle JSN didn't look as great as sure. we thought he would look sure you understand that Jake Bobo was Jake Bobo he really saw him right yeah he well, only he got was, well, there was a play where he was wide open yes and and Gino didn't see him I don't think he had what, the time. Was on, what was going on with Gino though because didn't have the time for sure but he there's some he's got the athleticism to be more improvisational and to escape a little more than what we saw from him. Like I said, I I saw a I didn't see anything dynamic from him at all. But from my opinion, with the offense, a I'm a believer in feeding DK over and over again, because I think at some point he's going to produce something big. I, I love him. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a I love him. I, I just got to disagree with the force feeding because I think the force feeding is, is back by. We've seen it with Russ. It's, it can back if you But if you can take, even if it's an incompletion and you can move that safety over to DK's side because they're afraid of him on go routes, it does open stuff up for others. So in part, it's right. a decoy. Yeah. Um, but the big thing for me, and I know we disagree on this, and I'm maybe it's my Michigan, University of Michigan roots, I want them to run the ball. I don't think Geno Smith is a 35, 40 attempt a game, successful 35, 40 attempt a game passer, right? I, and I think I do go back to thinking that Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. And if your defense is as vulnerable as this defense was in week one, 
The best thing you can do for that defense is to hold on to the ball because they don't have to be on the field nearly as much. And so, again, I go back to Kenneth Walker going 12 for 64, 5.3 yards of carry. You're averaging over five yards of carry, and he didn't have anything longer than 15 yards. So it wasn't like that was one big chunk. Yeah. Keep feeding him. Give him the ball. And if you bring in, you've got two, you know, second string tackles when uh, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross went out with injuries. What do tackles typically or what do offensive linemen typically do better in the beginning of their careers? It's run block, right? Typically, run blocking is an easier thing for them to do coming out or earlier in their career than pass block. And I don't know Stone Forsyth or Jake Curran well enough to know what, what it is that they do better. But I would come out and just say, we're just going to run the ball. This defensive line outside of Aaron Donald is trash. These linebackers outside of Ernest Jones are trash, right? Let's go run the ball. Let's take a hold of this game. Let's take the game by a throat, and we'll pass when we have to. That's my philosophy. That's what I think the Seahawks have done, maybe not last year, but before that. I know not a lot of people agree with that. We want to see the explosive offense, and we see all the weapons. But I think that's a, that would have been a recipe to win the game because you keep the Rams off the field. You turn out first downs, you keep giving the ball to Walker, you utilize Charbonnet, and you move on. I I have I understand some of your points, and I do agree with some of your points. There's there's a little nuance in there. I don't I don't strongly disagree with you given the game plan. I just think it's important to keep in mind your personnel. Just like we were talking about defense. Mm-hmm. You are wrong about people about the offensive lineman being able to come in and run block easier. That's not mm-hmm. the case because the college is so air raid. Mm-hmm. that most of these linemen are much better at the pass mm-hmm. and they struggle mm-hmm. with the run. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to consider. <laughs> I just think the personnel has changed. I think that used to be the case. I just think that with the changes of college offense, I mean, that's the problem with Cross and, and Lucas, right, is that they are great in pass protection. But when it comes to the run blocking, they're just not that great there. So um, same thing with your interior linebacker. Well, for whatever reason, I think Phil Haynes actually did pretty good with the run this mm-hmm. this past week. But now, Jake Curhan is great at the run. Now, he mm-hmm. if you're going to run behind somebody, you run behind that dude. He is mm-hmm. He's really good at that. He's very poor at pass protection. He's kind of the opposite. Stone Forsyth falls more into the better at pass protection, off mm-hmm. of the run blocking. So most of your offensive linemen are built to protect. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I'm not sure that the best way is to just run the ball down that throat. You're right in terms of time of position. It will help. You're also right in the sense of, I don't get why they went away from K-9. I don't, I don't understand why he was such an explosive part of what you had going right for you. And then it just seemed like he didn't see the ball anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now they did do some running to your point. In fact, they ran to the point where I think it upset me a little, but what they did was they ran with DJ Dallas. Yeah. And that made me mad. Right. (laughs) So they actually did a little bit of what you wanted in the second half, right? They Mm -hmm. run, run, pass. That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what it was. It was run, Mm -hmm. run, pass. But that didn't get them far. So I think they actually did a little bit of what you wanted. They didn't do what you wanted in the sense of personnel. I think K-9 was the best person to have out there. And I can't for the life of me understand why you had one thing going right for you and decided we don't need it anymore. Okay. Right. I don't think DJ Dallas, I didn't, I didn't need to see him as much as we did. I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't need to see yeah, him. Do you know why we saw him more than uh, Charbonnet in this game? Do you think they don't think Charbonnet is ready quite yet? Well, or so Charbonnet actually got technically more snaps. He got more snaps, but I, he, I think it, he got um, he got one more carry. I would have expected if you're going to invest a second round pick in him and you're going to talk about him in the way that you do. DJ Dallas is like break glass in case of emergency. Yes. He's a teams player, right? Yes. Not 
not a player splitting carries with a more talented player. The only thing I can think of is if they don't feel like Charbonnet can pick up the uh, can pass block or pick up the blitz, you know, young running backs don't play. Typically it's because they can't pick up the blitz. Right. But for me, as you said, I don't, I don't need to see DJ Dallas. I don't, I need to see him in on special teams and in mop up time. And that's about yep. it. I agree. Um, I think it has a lot to do probably with the makeup of, of the offensive line. I think less of Charbonnet and more of you've got to know, you got to be good at being decisive with an offensive mm-hmm. line that's poured run blocking. Mm-hmm. So maybe they trust K9 with his experience, even though he kind of struggled with that last year. Maybe they trust his extra year of experience will help him with that. And they trust that DJ Dallas knows enough about that to be good. I'm actually not sure it's pass pro because Charbonnet did well in the preseason when it came to pass sure. pro. And DJ sure. Dallas allowed a, a, a pressure. So, I mean, I don't know how many snaps. That's he was what, well, that's what Dallas's, Dallas's contribution is that typically he's in the right place at the right time, right? He's not explosive. So you're not getting anything, any big plays from him, but he's in the right place at the right time. He'll get you your three yards. You know, if there's a, a little bit of a hole, he'll get you your three yards. He's not going to make the wrong decisions, but he's not dynamic. Yeah. And I think Charbonnet, you know, Charbonnet's a big dude. He's not a small running back. And so he should be able to hold up. I just, I look at this team and like you said, Lockett was, you know, he had the concussion obvious or the potential yeah. concussion, obviously. I don't yeah. think they said it ended, ended up saying it was, but yeah, I think he cleared it. He wasn't, he was nowhere to be found. And yeah. that could have been protection. That could have been play calling, right? You saw DK, DK undressed that corner on the touchdown. The corner was going one way, DK was going the other. You yeah. see that and you think to yourself, how come we can't do that more, right? Where was that at most of the game? But to your point, the pressure on Gino was so, so much that he had, he couldn't do anything. No, he couldn't do anything. I, was bad. I'll tell you what, if if those tackles are out for any amount of time, and from what I read today, uh, it said Charles Cross, it was a toe, and the x-rays were clean, but he said that, you know, the toe was bothering him. So I would assume he can push through that. Oh. But Lucas, it sounds like he might be, it was the knee injury that, or the knee issue that uh, that he had in the preseason where they had to rest him. So if he's out and you're going against Aiden Hutchinson and and that Detroit Lions team, that's not I'm a good, afraid. not good, you know. Yeah, I'm afraid. Not good. And I've, I've felt pretty strongly now for a while that we've got some of the worst defense offensive line depth in the league. Like most people, mm-hmm. there's not as huge of a drop off for most teams as there is for the Seahawks. Cause I'm not sure Stone Forsyth is NFL talent, to be honest. I mean, he's so, his footwork is so slow right. that I really don't consider him to be NFL caliber talent. He just and, big. Yeah. And uh, the other guy that Drake Curhan. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes him NFL talent is his elite run blocking ability. He can do that very well. He's just so mm-hmm. bad at the other that it, it's hard to really rely on him for any long period of time. But I want to go back to a point. I actually forgot to make this point earlier about Gino and his um in his running. So this is something that I picked up on. It was near the end of last year, uh, maybe mm-hmm. 14, 15. I can't remember the exact game. But Pete Carroll was asked about Gino. I think he made this run play and – um. I think he almost hurt himself or something like that. And Pete mentioned that we got to get him to do that less. We want him to, we want him to take less of that opportunity. He said, so he implied something along the lines of like, we don't want him doing that as much anymore. Like we want to try to coach that out. We want him to really like, you know, I guess not take those chances. And mm-hmm. I wonder that kind of pulled back up in my mind as I'm watching Gino 
not just go for it, right? Because before I felt like early on last year, especially early on, he would just take off, right? Mm -hmm. With no inhibitions. Mm -hmm. And it did begin to slow up. Even the second half of, of last year, we began to see like, he doesn't run as much. He runs when you need him to, but he's not mm -hmm. running as much. And I wonder, is that something they're trying to talk to him about? Pete's mentioned it was something they wanted to talk to him about. Is that in the back of his mind? Is he not allowed to run anymore? Like, are they just trying to avoid a right. rust situation? Well, you got to ask the question, how much do they believe in Drew Locke if they're trying to protect Geno Smith from injury? Because I assume yeah. the reason they don't want him to run is they want to protect him from injury. Yeah. But one of one of the big, you know, uh, positives about Geno Smith coming out of West Virginia was his impro improvisational skill and his ability to run and pick up a quick 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards. We see that from the successful quarterbacks now. Right. There are very few quarterbacks in the league when you talk about the top quarterbacks who don't pick up 15 yards a chunk when they're when a team is playing, you know, too deep. Yeah. And and everyone and they run go go routes or whatever. And you got the quarterback is just taken off. Right. You see that over and over again. I would rather see them go for it and yeah. let Gino loose and trust him. He should be out there playing the way he's always known how to play. Right. Yeah. I think he is a he is a pocket quarterback in many ways. And I think that is his best skill is his ability to be accurate and make good decisions. Mm -hmm. But the reality is he's got better wheels than they're giving him credit for. Yeah. To me, that's just allowing him to do. Yeah, I and mean, I think that's a uh, uh, they don't I don't they must not be very confident in Drew Locke if if that's the way they're thinking because you're giving up first downs not allowing him to run like that. I think it's a great point. No, they, they they don't trust Drew Locke, and I don't understand why they. I really don't understand why why they brought him back. I have a theory. I mm -hmm. think John likes him so much more than Pete. I'll be honest. Uh -huh. I think I think oh, John loves him, mm -hmm. and I think Pete has he's grown on Pete. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think Pete liked him initially because he was begging Geno Smith to come sign back after the trade. <laughs> right. Wilson, right? He's like, Post, we really hope we can get Geno back. Right. right. And the whole time he's, he, he just didn't seem to trust Drew Locke. Now, I think year two, he seems to be more complimentary of him. He seems mm -hmm. to appreciate his integrating into the system and his his attitude and his mindset. But I still don't think that that trust is there. So you're probably right. That's probably where some of that comes from in terms of wanting to hold Geno back is mm -hmm. I don't think Pete trusts him. And I just would have rather than got a rookie than I, 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 I wasn't with the Drew Locke signing. Right. What moving forward, what do you, what do you think the Seahawks need to do? Big points. What do you think they need to do to be able to go into Detroit and kind of right the ship? And, you know, I think they would surprise a lot of folks given Detroit's victory in Kansas City. They'd shock a lot of folks by going into Detroit and winning. Yes. What do the Hawks need to do to, to make that happen based on what you've seen uh, in this first week? Completely change the defensive game plan. Mm -hmm. Completely change the defensive game plan. You need to be playing more man principles. You need to be playing more. Uh, I, th I think they need to blitz more. Mm -hmm. uh, I would appreciate it, like you said, if they dropped their uh, – their actual line, outside linebackers, the guys who are like meant to drop in coverage, drop those guys in coverage instead of your interior. I do like that they played a lot of nickel. I think you want to continue doing that. You just need a better nickel back. Like you need mm -hmm. Devin Witherspoon. You want that You want that guy mm -hmm. um, playing in those reps, especially against the Amon Ross St. Brown. You definitely need somebody who could, because Kobe Bryant would just get He's gonna get burnt. killed. Mm -hmm. Oh, he would get killed. I'd rather see Julian Love at that spot, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, 
Anywho, so that's what needs to happen on defense. I think what they did from a schematic spec, uh, perspective, I think even personnel perspective, I think it was fine in terms of the de- this, the front, well, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, you want, if you got better coverage, golf will take some time to think. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you pressure golf, that's how you rattle him. Like if there's a time to be aggressive, it's against that guy. If you give him pocket time, he'll just eat you up all day. Um, so I, I think they need to think that strategy. Offensively, I do think they need to let Gino loose a little bit. Um, I also think they can do a better job of trying to get JSN comfortable, get him some reps in. You might need him sooner than you think if Tyler Lockett's not going to have the year that we're used to Tyler, Lock- Tyler Lockett having. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need to you're gonna need some younger infusion of talent um to help offset. I think DK is gonna continue to benefit from some of the coverage if JSN can get going, but you gotta get him going. Mm-hmm. Um I wanna see a few less screens. Like, <laughs> like zero screens are important. We love you like screens. Like, let's just try one or two. Like let's just right. try that again and just see if right. we can manage that first before we just do anything else, and I want to see less of DJ Dallas. I'm sorry, run can can and if he only got 12 carries last week, cowbell him next week because right. he's right. with a, another thing is because the offensive line isn't good at run blocking. That's their biggest weakness. You need a guy who can make a who can improvise in a way to get around that, and, and K9 does that better than any running back you have on the roster, except for maybe Kenny McIntosh who is hurt right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think you need those kind of guys more than your Charbonnets or your Dallas's right now. I don't think the line's good enough for Charbonnet to really shine. So yeah. lean on your guy. You know, offensively, and this doesn't matter a whole lot, but you got Kenneth Walker's going into Detroit, right? Michigan State, went to Michigan State from Michigan. You pump him up. You tell him, look, you average 5.3 yards a carry. We're going to give you the ball – 22 times in this game if we can. And I want you to show up in front of friends and family, right? I want you to be, this is your opportunity to shine. You give that to them. Defensively, you brought up something that that made me think, if you know your defense is not was not great in week one, right? It was poor. Terrible. And you gave up all this stuff when you gave the quarterback time. I have half a mind, especially if Witherspoon isn't back, to just sell out sometimes, right? We're gonna yeah. we're gonna rush eight, and yeah. we're gonna come after you. We're gonna try to create a turnover. You might, in a panic move, throw towards Reek, and Reek might pick it off, or you might put a ball up. And Quan- we all know Quandre Diggs is the one of the best coverage, you know, deep safeties in the game, and he can he has so much range. If there's air underneath the ball, he's getting there. Yeah. And the only way you get a quarterback to make a mistake like that is by putting you know putting pressure on him. Send yep. three of the four linebackers, right? Yep. Do something like that. Couple Wagner or Brooks with a nickelback next to him in the base defense, even drop that nickelback into coverage in the middle and let Wagner or Brooks blitz. Yep. So it's take some chances against him. The thing I'm worried about is Lions offensive line is good. There's a lot of first round picks on that line. There's a lot of talent on that line. Yep. And if they can't hold up against the run, we know that they were great last week. But if it's 2022 Hawks run defense against the Lions, the Lions will run the ball all day long. You'll see Montgomery get 15 carries. You'll see Gibbs get 15 carries. I don't think it'll be that bad because I think Bobby's presence does more than what people want to give it credit for. I really mm-hmm. do. I think that 
I think his presence does does far greater. And according to PFF, he had like nine tackles where he literally stopped a play on site. Right. Mm-hmm. The next closest guy was like four with Boye right. Mafe, who y'all know is he leader run defense as well. Um, so I think you won't get ran over the same way you did last year. Now it's not probably not gonna be, I mean, two point nine. <laughs> two point nine is that's not realistic. Now maybe it's closer to four than four yards of carry than what you want, but I think they can get it down enough. Um, but if I'm the Lions and I look at that tape from week one, mm-hmm. we are airing it out. Like <laughs> I am, I am St. Brown is going to be all up and down this field. Like that would be my game plan going in. And so I'm hoping, so you, you have to account for that. Um, and I think just stay with what they did on the, you might have to make some defensive adjustments in terms of the run game, mm-hmm. but I think the Lions are happy to. Let Jared go quick, especially if it's going to have time. Like you said, he's got a really right. good offensive line. And so if you don't apply pressure, and that's what I'm concerned the most about. I'm concerned that the pressure will be the biggest issue mm-hmm. next game. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not doing a preview, but if I had to point to a concern, I think it would be last, lack of pressure. I think Pete was probably embarrassed by how bad his coverage was. For I think sure. he will make some adjustments For with sure. that. I really do. I I don't know if it'll be good enough to be great, but it will be better. Mm-hmm. Will he just, be more aggressive? You would hope. You would hope. He, I he my, again bringing it full circle for me. I want to see. I just want to see an identity. I want to see even if the the Hawks go in there and compete and lose, you don't want them to lose, obviously. But I want to see walk out of there and say, okay, they're running the ball. Walker got twenty carries. They hit a couple of uh, passes deep off a of play action, right? Like a locket post or, you know, a, a Metcalf goal ball, something like that. Off a of play action, I know this is what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to soften the defense up with the run and run play action and throw the ball deep. And on defense, whatever it might be, we saw them play, you know, blitz a lot more to try to get pressure. I loved it. Or we saw some replacement of some of the middle linebackers with – quicker players knowing that they had a problem dropping in coverage, but that, and that's who they're going to be moving forward. I just, I think they need an identity. They need something to hang their hat on. They looked listless in this game. Like there wasn't, there wasn't something they could just go back to and say, this is who we are. We got to get back to this. This is how we win this game. Cause if they had it, they could have imposed their will on this Rams team in one. I think, I think even if they did some things well in week two, I wouldn't, I wouldn't peg that their identity. It's it's really too early for me without sure. I, sure. if you want to see them have strengths. Sure. You want to see them do something well. I agree. I agree with that part. You want to see they did this well or they improved in this area, right? You want to see those things because they cannot have another performance. The only thing they did do well <laughs> was stop the run. Um everything else was <laughs> abysmal. So right. you want to see more things that they do do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think because especially how much of an anomaly that week one is. Mm-hmm. I still think that's going to be too early to call it identity. Let's say they do all the things that you said. And then the next week they do more intermediate game. They do, I, you know what I mean? Like I just, sure. I think you can add to you, soon, especially you when they're one game. I think you can add to what it is, what it is that you do well, but go out there and do something well and, yes. and do it, do it well after you said, this is what you're going to do, right? If you say, yeah. we're going to do this to the team internally and yeah. you go out and do it. Now you've got confidence. Right. Not something to hang your hat on. It doesn't mean you can't add to it, right? It doesn't mean, okay, we ran a bunch of go balls on play action last week. This week we're going to do that, but it's going to be some deep ends instead, yeah. right? It's going to be a 18-yard, you know, in route. 
Yeah. And we're going to do some different stuff. Sure. Right. Run a little different part of the route tree. But like I said, any successful business, any successful team, you know what they're good at. You look at them and you say, you know, what is what is another the chief's loss? But who are the chiefs? The chiefs are Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and getting no name running backs, the ball out of the backfield. And we're going to we're going to get a lead and then we're going to unleash a pass rush. Defense isn't great on Kansas City, but they know with the lead, the other team has to pass and has to compete with Mahomes. You know who they are, right? That's what I want to see. That's what I think I think the team is lacking. I want to see them do some things well, but Detroit isn't necessarily the team to do it against. So, like you said, I know this isn't a preview. Um, I am already nervous for that game after after definitely. this performance. Definitely. I'm, I'm nervous for the season. After after yeah. that, and that, that's a game that makes you legitimately and not even in an overreacting way question the whole season. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think this. I think if they play a little bit more to their these are my I want to try to end things as we wrap up here on a on a somewhat positive note. Mm-hmm. I think things that you can positively take away is that Kenneth Walker is who you thought he was. Mm-hmm. I think you need to use that. Sorry, the other running backs are fine, but like. I don't know. I want. I don't want Kenneth Walker to get injured. But I just think you need some explosiveness somewhere. And until you can mm-hmm. figure out how to get it from your wide receivers, though, I think that should be a little bit more natural than what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got to play on that to some extent. Um, I also want to see some variety in the types of throws that they're doing. Um, that way, they don't get predictable. I, I want to see variety in the types of throws that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. See some. I want to see DK running some curl. I mean, because he can, he can run anything. Um, especially this is route running looks a little bit improved. We'll see. But that mm-hmm. the route running on that touchdown was, Ooh, like you nasty. said. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to see him do some underneath stuff and and you know just I think they work the tight ends pretty well. Um, you would like to see Noah Fant step up just a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. offensively on defense. Play to your player's strengths. Seriously, like use mm-hmm. the talent that you have and build around that. Build, understand, show me as a coach, you know your personnel. Put mm-hmm. the linebackers in the position that they should be in. Put your corners in the position that they should be in. And if they just did that, that looks like a completely different team. Honestly, if they did those I things agree. alone, if they mm-hmm. just play to their personnel, then I, I think the Seahawks have a chance. Now, as bad as they look, I can't say with confidence I think they'll win, but I think it will be competitive. And at this point, from where they started, I think that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. I have the same thing in terms of positives moving forward in my notes. I have the same thing. First thing offensively is Kenneth Walker's production, right? It's clear he can produce. We know that from last year. Give him the ball. Give him the ball. Um and then, as you said, I didn't see the PFF numbers, but the pass rush was a lot better individually. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know the talent is there. Phys- physically, you know you have the players. Cut them loose. Let them rush the passer, right? Let them do what they do best. And then I, I also have that Rick Woolen is real, right? Because he had that year last year. You, We know he was great. You know, all, you always wonder, okay, next year – what's going to happen. Right. And I think from this game, yes, he gave up the the bigger chunk play at the end of the game. Um, and his numbers weren't perfect, but the reality is the Rams stayed away from him. And so, you know, you have a top cover corner, you know, at least at one of the positions. So if you've got a great corner and you've got a pass rush that has a lot of potential, use it blitz, 
Put your corners out there on an island, right? Get some pressure, create some turnovers, create some havoc because sitting in this cover two shell and sitting doing all this deep, this uh, deep safety stuff, not going to cut it. Yeah. We saw that. We saw that in week one, not going to cut it. So there are things to build on. And I think you made the best point of, of the entire day in saying that if you just put the defensive players in position to succeed, the talent is there to win the game. Yep. But you can't, you have to set them up to succeed, right? Yep. I think that's the best, the, the best point of the entire podcast is that. And they clearly didn't do that in game one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll do a preview for uh, the Lions game, see what we got, you know, to see where we get further along in the week and see where we are with injuries. Um, we'll be paying closely attention to that as, as we had some key injuries in that last game. Um, mm-hmm. But, Tino, why don't you tell them what you got going, with, where they can find you, uh, tell them a little bit about, about, about the Mariners stuff, and, and then I'll wrap us up. So Mariners cast Monday through Friday. Uh, Mariners down in the stretch run, currently in the playoff race. Um, you can find the Mariners cast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S on Twitter. Uh, Mariners cast is also available on the Sports Ethos website. Uh, my Twitter handle is Tino Junior Twenty T I N O J R two zero. I will have uh, podcasts all this week. I hope to come back with Candice uh, later on this week to preview this upcoming Lions game. Having a blast, despite the the Seahawks zero one record. Um, the talents there, lots to improve upon, but still super excited. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said, Tino. We're we're really excited you're on and gonna be joining us regularly. Super excited to have you. So make sure you check him out. Also, be sure to check out the Ethos Sports page at Ethos Seahawks. We got a ton of information out there, especially today. I've got PFF grades, updates on rookies. It's a lot of information, guys. You don't want to miss. Um, I'm gonna continue to analyze. I go back and watch the film, give some of my takeaways. So make sure that you're following the page. Um, In the meantime, guys, that's all the time we have for today. That's it. I'm out. And as always, go Hawks.